that's probably something I come to books for actually is different kinds of lenses on the human experience, the ways that like a microscope is going to show you something different than a telescope. I think a poem will show you something different than a play. The heart of any university is in its books, and the Boston College English Department is setting out to uncover what books mean to its faculty and grad students in the digital age. You're on soundings.com, and this is From the Bookshelf. Um, were you a big reader when you were younger, or did it develop over time? Did it yeah. start with comics, perhaps? I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, because picture books are so often a thing for children, you know? Um, so I read constantly when I was a kid, and uh, the one of the few things to do in the town I grew up in was go to the library, so I'd always like wheel the wagon down there and fill it up and come back. Andrea Crow specializes in Shakespeare and early modern English poetry and drama, as well as food history and gender and sexuality studies. Last week, she sat down with Josh to talk about some of her favorite books and what her interests mean for her life outside of work. Um, but the first time I remember really having um, a relationship a relationship to literature other than sort of just enjoying the reading process um, was when I was seven and I was on a school field trip and I was reading uh, Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. And um, do you know the Jabberwocky poem in that? I think I do. Yeah. More, more so than the book itself, I know the Jabberwocky. Basically almost every word in that poem is a made-up word and yet you can completely understand what is being evoked in this story of someone slaying a dragon. And I remember reading that and being totally perplexed and then reading over it again and again and again and just having my mind blown <laughs> about the ways that language could come to mean things in ways I hadn't expected. How, like, how do you think of the rest of the book uh, in relation to just the Jabberwocky? That's interesting. I think that um, the book was similarly surreal and defamiliarizing. It would take sort of things that were familiar to you um, and like, for example, the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, right? It has that, but um, he's like a character in the story. And there's this crazy scene where like Alice is going into this shop and she sees an egg at the back of the shop. And as she walks towards it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's a person, or it's Humpty Dumpty sitting on a wall, like a full size um, thing. And like moments like that, where it has this kind of dream logic. And so there's all these little moments in it where it takes something that's absolutely familiar to you and then defamiliarizes it enough to, um, I don't know, create a kind of like trippy wonder that I really think I like go after in literature. One of the last things if you want to talk about a little more is uh, your, the, the sexuality studies. Yeah. Um, do you have any like sort of seminal works on your bookshelf from that or just a few books that you like? So one that I really love isn't here, which is Fun Home. Did you ever read that as a comic book? Fan? I haven't, but I know it's very good. It is really good. Yeah. It's by Alison Bechdel. And actually the first time I read it, um, so the person who gave it to me was also the person who convinced me to come to grad school. And I had showed up to her class. We were supposed to talk about Adorno. It was a theory class. And I was hungover because my girlfriend had just broken up with me. And I was not handling it super well, but I still wanted to make it to my theory class. So I woke up like 10 minutes before, ran across campus, and couldn't say a word because I thought I was going to puke the whole time. And she came up to me after her class and she's like, are you okay? And I sort of explained to her what happened. And she just handed me fun home and was like, maybe this will help. And so I went home and read it and it was, yeah, it did help. Um, it, I definitely saw reflected in it the same experience I had of how I came to terms with how I responded to starting to think of myself as as, uh, as queer. Um, 
and it was through reading represent, for representations of it, um, you know, watching, watching every gay movie I could find, reading every gay book I could find. It was like I was taking a course, um, a special studies um, in lesbian literature. And that's exactly what Alison Bechdel was doing um, in that book, as she goes to the library and picks up all the books that she can find on the subject and reads like, the word is out or whatever. Um, and so I found it reassuring in that way. And then also, I think, now that I think about it, it's like a story that's about coming out that has nothing to do with, like, it doesn't need to end in a relationship. And I think that was something that I really needed, was to think about what does it mean to be um, LGBTQ without needing that to be defined by whatever relationship you're in. Because it can feel kind of unsettling to claim an identity without um, someone else there to affirm that it's, you know, to, to sort of shore you up. Um, and what, what's sort of one book you find now yourself returning to like time and time again? Yeah, well I think I can think of two possible answers. Um, one would be Mrs. Dalloway. I read that about every year and it was actually one when I first read it. I, the first three or four times I tried to read it, it's Virginia Woolf, and um, every time I tried to read it I put it down because I couldn't understand what was happening because it's written in this stream of consciousness format and it moves between one person's mind and another. But when I finally managed to get all the way through it, um, I loved it uh, partly because of its representation of, um, a, like, I don't want to say lesbian relationship necessarily because it's, it's a relationship between two women, um, not necessarily defined in any sort of label in that way. But when I finally got through it, it was also when I was in the process of coming out and I was just desperate for any kind of lesbian literature. And so it was one of the first things I read um, in that vein. Um, and then also, uh, I really like a book that can help me feel better about mortality <laughs> and the fact that, sort of coming to terms with the fact that life is going to go on long after you. And that's a big part of what that book is about. Um, and then the other one I would think of is um, John Donne, right there, right next to Herbert, another metaphysical poet. Um, his third satire, which is like, I think it might get tattooed on me somewhere someday. Um, I, use, I always use it to teach um, how enjambment works uh, to my students, how metrical form works, because he does it really nicely in this poem. Uh, but the lines I like are, Doubt wisely, in strange way, to stand inquiring right is not to stray, to sleep or run wrong is. On a huge hill, cragged and steep, truth stands, and he that will reach her about must and about must go. And I freaking love that, because, I don't know, I feel like that's probably something I come to books for actually is different kinds of lenses on the human experience, the ways that like a microscope is going to show you something different than a telescope. I think a poem will show you something different than a play. Um, but they all let you try <laughs> and look at this ineffable, never discoverable thing that is what it is to be alive. From the Bookshelf is a production of the Boston College English Department. Special thanks to Andrea Crow and Joan Nugent, as well as Josh Artman for recording the interview. My name's Peter. Thanks so much for listening.